Welcome back. Straight Cast Outdoor Cartoon Television. I am Pat Remwick. It is time for the Bass Buzz segment of the show, where every week we bring you the nation's top bass fishing professionals. And right now, right now, we are dialing up the one and only, the the legendary K-Pink, oh, Kevin Short. Let's see what Kev's doing. Where's where's Kevin at? There's K-Pink. Kevin Short, welcome to the big show, dude. What's going on? Oh, heck yeah, man. K-Pink, welcome to Hammond, Indiana in the Straight Cast Outdoor Cartoon Television Studios. Well, welcome to uh, Mountain Home, Arkansas, and the friend and the uh, home of my friends uh, Brenda and Kenny Gibson. Nice, nice. What you just chilling, chilling with some pals tonight? We're having uh, having some little lasagna and uh, a. Um, I don't know what I'm drinking here, but it's really is good. Cra- <laughs> is that a crankbait on that cup? <laughs> what is that on that cup? Is that a? Is that a? <laughs> It's a Razorback. It's a Razorback. What else? Of course it is. It's a a Razorback crankbait. Come on. What do you expect? You know, I love this, man. I mean, it's the it's the life of a bass fishing professional behind the scenes. K Packs, K Pink, sitting back eating some uh, Italian food and and sipping out of a Razorback cup. It don't get no better than that. It doesn't get any better than that. Uh, that, So how are you guys? We're doing good, man. It's great to have you on the show. It's great to talk to you again. It's been a while since the uh, since we talked since the old Bass Buzz Radio Show, but now we're now we're big TV stars, Kevin. I know it's great. Yeah, I mean, I love the show, by the way. Well, well, thank you very much. We're just here having a good time. We don't know what we're doing, but it's happen. It works somehow or another. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, Kevin, how's fishing, dude? It's good. I mean, not that I've been, you know, not that I've been doing as much as I used to since uh, kind of changed, you know, kind of changed professions there a little bit. But it's uh, it, it's been good. I mean, it's uh, I've really uh, enjoyed kind of moving into a different role here as, uh, you know, as doing international sales for uh, Bascat and uh, Yardcraft boats. And, I, dude, I, I mean, I, I, I like what I'm doing. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, how cool is that? You are the international salesman. For right. ba- for Bass Cat, man, I mean, talk about a sales call. We were talking the other day. Your your nearest your nearest clients eighteen hours away by plane. Yeah, well, by uh, yeah, by driving, it's eighteen hours 18 from my hours. house. Yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah. Uh, yeah, my closest uh, my closest dealer is in Nestor Falls, uh, Ontario. So wow. yeah, it's like eighteen hours from the house. So I spend a lot of time uh, a lot of time on the uh, you know on an airplane going different places. Um, and it's, uh, you know, internet, we've always, Basket has always sold boats. You know, we've always sold boats to Canada. We've always sold boats to Japan. We've got, uh, a new dealer and a uh, new distributor down in Australia that, uh, you know, we got Carl, uh, Jacobson now, the, uh, Aussie phenom in a basket oh, yeah, and he's yeah. working with us down there in, uh, in Australia. And that's, uh, man, those guys, let me tell you what, those guys in Australia are abs. It's a, it's a small group of anglers down there, but they are absolutely eaten alive with bass fishing. And you know really? what the strange thing is? Let me tell you what the strange thing tell is. Us, they don't even have bass in Australia. What? And what? they're crazy about it. No, they do not. They fish for Barramunda, and they fish for... Um, Crocodiles. Uh, they've got some kind of perch down there that they fish for. They they don't they don't have bass like we have bass. Okay. okay. They don't have smallmouth. They don't have largemouth. Any of that. So it's a it's totally different species that they fish for. They use obviously they use bass boats and they use the same a lot of the same tackle 
and stuff that we do, okay? But the species are totally different. So, and, and that's what kind of, I mean, Carl's story is pretty interesting because this is a guy that grew up fishing for, to, it'd be, it, it's almost like a cat fisherman coming to the bass fishing world and suddenly he's an elite series angler. And he's wrecking them. He's absolutely wrecking them. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's a great story. But you know, we've got we've got you know pockets like that of really uh, you know really cool anglers around the uh, around the around the globe. You know, and it's really it's 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 been really cool to go and meet some of those people and work with them. You know, open up new dealers in different countries and stuff, and sell boats, man. It's been great. That's that's a cool deal. And how's Japan, man? I mean, how is it going over to Japan? I know bass fishing is just off the, it, off the hook there, it, so proverbially, yes. yes. There's a uh, you know we've got uh, Kota Kiriyama that's been in the bass cat for a long time. He is uh, kind of our Japanese representative, uh, and does you know he does a really good job over there. And those those people are as you know, rabid about it as the people in Australia are. There's just a lot more of them, obviously, and they're all packed into a really small island. You know, it's pretty uh, pretty interesting because uh, I think uh, I think Australia has like almost just a little bit less than the same land mass that the United States has, but they have a tenth of the population. Okay, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Japan has like a tenth of the land mass, and they have more people than we do. So it's like two totally different kind of realms there, you know. Uh, but yeah, the Japanese are absolutely. The, you know, it's interesting. the The Japanese, most of them, unlike us, you know, those of us, you know, obviously that have boats. Well, we all keep our. I mean, where do you keep your boat at? You keep it in the garage at your house, right? Yes. Okay. You are, if you don't have a garage, are outside in, in a cover. Exactly, outside under the cover. Yeah. Well, in Japan, you know, most of the housing over there is so small. There's very few people that can actually keep a boat at their house. They have to keep it at the marina at the lake. So the marinas there have these huge parking lots where all the boats are stored. So when you go fishing. You go to the marina, they hook your boat up, put your boat in the water for you. It's it's a totally different, you know, it's a totally different kind of thing, man. And, and it's it's interesting to learn all these things. It's like boat caddies they got going over there. It's like boat caddies. It's like boat. It's like boat caddies. Hey, can you see us, Kevin? Yeah. Okay. I, w- I want to introduce you to the crew here. Okay. okay. All right, because I don't think you know this guy. He's the outdoor columnist for the Chicago Sun Times. This is Dale Bowman. Who's sitting hey, to my right, hey, right here? Bowman. That's old Dale Bowman. This is the uh, Southside Smallmouth Samurai to my left. Nice. This, this is Bobby Bergren, and over there in, in the Cubs hat, I don't know if you can see Ryan over there. He's he's Ryan Popcorn Whitaker. That's the dude over there. Popcorn, I like. That's that. old Popcorn Whitaker because he makes these little finesse jigs that look like popcorn, and they catch the heck out of the smallmouth around here. Really? It's it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm gonna have him send you some, Kev. Okay, I'd and, like to see some of that. And, and you try him out. Hey, Kevin. Major league fishing, dude. Major league fishing. One of the cool, and, and we talk about this with with a lot of the guys that come on the show. But I can't tell you how ecstatic I am about the whole format and the whole concept of major league fishing. What are your feelings on it? 
And let me tell you what, I think Major League Fishing is the future of tournament fishing. Okay, I, re- I really do. I think that some, and I don't know, you know, I'm not going to say that the format that we have right now with Major League Fishing is the ultimate format, but it's pretty darn close. I think it's the basis for what tournament fishing will be in the future. Okay. I think that is totally the direction. And you know, the, the biggest thing obviously for me is the conservation side of it because in major league fishing, we don't, I mean, we don't, we don't even need live wells in the boat. Right. Because we catch fish, the boat official weighs it. We verify the weight. We put the fish back in the water. You know, in less than 20 seconds, we're, we're good to go on catching another. You know, we don't, we're not putting the fish in the live well. We're not beating them up on two-hour boat rides. We're not, you know, dragging them through weigh-in lines. None of that. I, it just, just simply from a conservation side of it, man, that is, I mean, that is a great way to do tournaments at that level. Now, I'm not going to say it's the best for, every, you know, like for clubs, for everybody, but to, you know, for, for that level, man, it is fantastic. And from a competitor side of it, it's great because all I have to worry about is catching fish. Right. You know, I don't have to worry about, well, okay, are the live wells working right? Is there enough water in there? You know, did I hook that one real deep? Is he going to make it? You know, am I going to get a penalty? Because none of that. I mean, it is, it is fantastic. From a competitive side, it is it is so much you you gotta you gotta look at those totally different than you do an elite series event. An elite series event is all about catching the five biggest fish every single day. Okay? An MLF event, whether it is a cup event or a select event, that's all about catching the most fish you can catch every single day. They don't have to be the biggest ones. You don't have to catch three, four, five pounders. If you catch 12 inches, you know, if you catch 112 inches, you're in, you're in. That's a deal. As opposed to if you catch five, four pounders, you know, it's, it's great. Hey, Kevin, let me ask you this. Speaking of being in, how does one get in to major league fishing? Do you have to be invited? Do you have to pay an entry fee? What people ask me that? And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't know. There's two different groups. You know, in MLF, you see two different shows, basically. You see the cup shows, which are like the cup events are the original 24 guys that were based. I mean, they basically got together and formed Major League Fishing. Okay. And it was, you know, it started out as a real small group and they kind of, they kind of invited guys that they knew. You know, but and I, and I don't know what the criteria was, but just kind of from my side looking at, it was mostly guys that they knew would be good on television. You know, they had they got, had good personalities. They could obviously catch fish, okay, and they could make. They felt like those original twenty four guys could make a good TV show. Gotcha, okay? gotcha. and that's what it's all about. That's what MLF is all about: is making an entertaining television show. It's not about having a tournament. It's really not about who catches the most fish. I mean, yeah, that's the that, that's the game, but it's about making some entertaining television. Viewer friendly. Viewer friendly. Yep. Thank you. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you. So you got those original 24, and there was, 
you know, there was over the the course of the the first four or five years, there was some of the guys that kind of maybe wanted to move on and and do something different. Okay, well, there was another group of twenty four that I mean, basically that group was invited. Okay, okay, gotcha. And, and that's the selects. Okay, that's what I mean. And what and what the selects fish for is to advance to the cup events. Okay, so basically we got two different levels there. We got the cup, which is where you want to be, and the selects is kind of like the feeder circuit for the selects. Okay, and we get I mean, feeder cup for the cup. We get points, every one of the selects. I mean, we get points, you know, for how we finish, whether we win or even finish second, third, fourth. We get points and accumulate those points and build up. And like this past year, um, Andy Montgomery and Brent Chapman did well enough in the selects that now, next year, they actually moved up into the cup events. Okay. It opened up two more spots in the selects. So, so, but I still don't understand. How do you get into the selects? No, you got to be invited. You got to be invited. Okay, okay. Yes, it is strict. At this point, it is a strictly invitation only. And it is, and there again, I'm not privy to the, you know, the selection process, anything like that. But from what I, from what I see, looking at the other guys that are in selects, for the most part, it's guys that have personality. Gotcha. So, hey, are you, are you saying that if I take Gary Klein and, and Boyd Duckett on an Amazon fishing trip that I might have a chance? Maybe. <laughs> Definite maybe. Definite maybe. Definite maybe. <laughs> hey, Kevin, you want to stick around for another segment, man? Sure, let's All do it. All right, we're going to pull up the trolling motor. We're going to put the power poles down, and we're going to stay right here. We'll be right back. More Bass Buzz segment on Straycast Outdoor Cartoon Television with Kevin Short. When we return, don't you go anywhere. Oh, yes. Ooh, la, la. A little Van Halen, DOA. Bass Buzz segment, Straight Cast Outdoor Cartoon Television. We're back with Kevin Short. Kevin, welcome back, bud. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate that. Hey, Thanks you got any? Me. Yeah, well, dude, it's our pleasure. Come on, man. You're, you're, you're one of our faves, dude. I mean, anybody that likes to fish shallow and wind a square bill all day, that's my dude. All day long. That, that's my dude, Let man. Hey, let, speaking of that, hey, well, you want to bring some guests out real quick? You want your friends to say hi? Bring it. No, they've, they've already declined. It. No, I oh, are you call. serious? Yeah, they're yeah. offending Ryan Popcorn Whitaker I, right now. I'm sorry, I'm Ryan. I apologize for my friends. <laughs> <laughs> they a good time in there without. Dale Bowman was going to write an article in the Chicago Sun Times about them, and now they're not going to come out and say hi. <laughs> <laughs> they really. Hey, they, hey, hey, Kevin, I've got one more question yeah. about MLF. Um, how long is each period? They never tell us on the show how long oh, each really? period is. Uh, each in the in the selects, each one is two and a half hours. Two and a half. Okay. So you got yeah, you got three two and a half hour periods, and then there's like a thirty minute break in between, you know, the first and second period. Okay, and you guys have to go to a check in point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we you know, basically, you know, we pull up to the ramp. They give us about 30 minutes to get everything ready and hand us uh, this little, usually it's a little Mickey Mouse paper map that basically has an outline of the body of water. <laughs> yeah. That's all that's on it. Yeah. Uh, and it'll have, you know, like a little X mark where we're supposed to come back to. 
and put the boats in the water. And they, I mean, they've got a set time that we start. And from then we've got 15 minutes that we can drive around anywhere in the lake and just look. We can't make a cast, can't stand up, you know, out of the driver's seat. We can't do anything but look for 15 minutes. At the end of that 15 minutes, that first two and a half hour period starts. Okay. And, and the boat official, you know, he's sitting right there and he said, you know, we're going to start in one minute. Lines in. Lines in. Counts it down, you know, 10, 9, 3, you know, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, lines in, and you can start fishing. Two and a half hours. At the end of that two and a half hours, We've got 30 minutes that before the next period starts, and we have to go back to a preset rendezvous point. Now, if it takes us 15 minutes to get back there, then that, I mean, we'll only have 15 minutes before we have to leave again. Okay. okay. And there's been, uh, I think, the show that they just filmed or that, that you guys just saw uh, this past week. Uh, up in Ohio, in Ohio, yeah, there were some guys fishing. I think Ott and somebody else was fishing way up this creek. Yeah, like thirty it minutes or took miles them longer or than thirty minutes to get back because it was an idle zone. Okay, oh, so I mean that kind of comes into play. Um, but yeah, okay, so we got thirty minutes. We can retie, you know, drink, you know, drink, eat, whatever. Drink your so squincher. 30. So you, you can, can so you can fish. your squinchers. You can fish Squinchers. all the way up until yeah. the end of that two and a half hour period. Then you can fish yeah. all the way, the and then you have your half hour to get back there. Yeah, okay. yeah. At the end of that two and a half hour period, I mean, it's like lines out, and I mean, you're done. You know, you can't fish anymore, and you got to go back to the rendezvous point until the next, you know, the next period starts, and then you got another two and a half hour period, and you do it all over. And the thing, you know, it's kind of interesting because there's been a couple of them where. You know, at the end of one of those periods, you kind of get on a little something and figure a little something out, okay? And then you got to stop. And by the time that you get back to that same exact spot where you were catching them, it's like dead. They throw a monkey wrench in your momentum is what's going on. That's what, that's, that's what they're doing. But – that's part of the game. You know? <laughs> That's what gets you going. Hey, man, you love fish in shallow water, Kevin. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're Arkansas, boy. You, you, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you were born and bred with. And, and you love winding that square bill crankbait. Yes, sir. I mean, what, what's, what's the infatuation with the square bill crankbait, and where did that start for you? You know, I actually start. I had a uh, team partner years ago that he actually fished a draw tournament, you know, kind of a, a, a pro-am tournament with this guy from South Arkansas that was one of those old-school Bagley masters. Oh, yeah. Had thousands and thousands of Bagleys, and it was a hot summer. It was like a, you know, 1st of July event, you know, Smells like somebody's ironing clothes at nine o'clock in the morning. You're so hot. <laughs> you know, you, your tennis shoes, you know, melt to the asphalt kind of thing. And this guy absolutely blew. I mean, he won the tournament by like 10 pounds. I mean, he just crushed them. And it hooked my buddy Dennis on throwing. Because this, I mean, this, this, uh, this guy, uh, George Bowman, as a matter of fact, George Bowman from uh, Dumas, Arkansas. He might be related. 
to uh, to your Mr. Bowman there. It, it is. It, actually, it is. He caught those bass in the corner up there. Uh, well, I was wondering. I was just admiring that. That's, that's a bunch uh, of six-pounders, dude. Yeah. George. That's from Arkansas. They're from Arkansas. Really? The, what's the lake? Well, the Gray. There you go. Yeah. Uh, George actually gave my buddy Dennis, you know, a couple of baggies. So he started throwing them. And, you know, we were fishing team events together. And he got me to throwing them. And, you know, we immediately we kind of, I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. But we knew enough that we knew where to throw it and when to throw it. And, I mean, we started winning some money on them, you know. So it was like, oh, my God, we got to have more of these. So we ordered, like. This was when Bagley was going really strong. We ordered like a gross uh, balsa, uh, balsa B2s in 09. You know, the old chartreuse in black. Chartreuse black. Yeah. yeah. We ordered 144 of the things and split them. The old 09s. I love it. Oh, yeah. He got 72 of them. I got 72 of them. And I still have quite a few of them. You want to get rid of some of those, Kev? Nope. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, that kind of got us started. And we, you know, we just, I mean, we threw it more and more and learned, you know, a lot about it. Um, and when I, you know, when I started fishing like the invitationals and stuff way back in the in the 90s, I actually uh, got to be uh, pretty good friends with uh, Clun. And I learned, you know, a lot of what I learned, I learned from, you know, fishing a couple of days with, with Clun and kind of busy over the years, you know, we had mutual friends and, you know, it just kind of worked out real well. And, uh, he's, you know, he's one of those guys that was throwing it way before we were. Absolutely. He was. Yeah. I mean, he was throwing it way back in the eighties when they first, first came out. Um, and he, you know, he, he's, he's taught me a lot about it, both, you know, with times that I've been in the boat with him and just talking to him. Well, 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 Kevin, share us some of this knowledge that you have acquired and that maybe Clun has taught you share some with, with us and the viewers about, well, give us a little tip, man. Give us a tip we might not know. There's two things. There's two things that I think a lot of people, there's two little kind of nuances that I think a lot of people kind of overlook or they miss. When you're throwing uh, square bills, particularly when you're talking about throwing them around targets, okay, okay. whether it's docks, stumps, trees, laydowns, whatever. The first, uh, you know, the first of them is persistence. Okay, I mean, I can't tell you how many times that I've caught fish, caught really big fish by making multiple casts to one stump. One laydown, one log, whatever. And I, I'm talking about six, eight, ten casts to the same target to get that one fish to bite. Okay? I mean, you have to be persistent. You can't make just one cast on this side, one cast on that side, and go to the next one. Sometimes you can, okay, if the fish are really aggressive. Sometimes you can do that. But a lot of times, I mean, you have to make multiple casts to one of those targets. The second thing is when you're making those casts, you don't want to and not necessarily want to make them from the same angle. You know, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll be moving the boat, you know, I'll be moving the bass cat past the stump, past the lay down, and I'll actually go around it. Okay. And I'll actually go all the way around the stump if I can, making casts all the way around it from different angles just to catch that one fish. And what 
A lot of times when a square bill works, particularly when you're fishing targets like that, is when it's the fishing is tough, it's hard to get a bite. So when you get a bite, it's usually one that you want to catch, and it's a good one. Okay? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's typically not one of those things where you're going to catch 40 or 50 fish a day. Okay? And nobody else in the field is either. It's one, you know, it, it really shines when you're only going to get six or seven bites a day, regardless of what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're flipping, throwing a spinnerbait, a frog, whatever. You're only going to get five or six bites. A lot of times when it's tough like that and you're fishing targets, particularly wood targets, that's when the square bill is the best tool that you can use because you can, you know, you can work it around those targets and get those bites and a lot of times like i say it's the bite you want to get it's the bite you want to have in the box yeah absolutely that's going that's going on the port side that's yeah. the good that's, that's the good one that's the good and and multiple casts how about speed i know uh i know clun man he winds the hell out of those things I, i'm the same way i'm i mean i'm chunking it out there i'm bringing it home this ain't, this ain't no David Fritz sit down on the front with the five to one gear ratio lose. No, sir. I'm throwing it out there. I'm bringing it home. All right. I mean, I'm making a lot of casts. And most of the time when you're doing that, you're making real short casts. You know, you're making 20, 25 foot, maybe 30 foot casts at the longest. So, I mean, it, it's a repetition thing. You know, the more cast you can make, the more water you can cover, the more times you can put the bait in front of the fish, the better your odds are on catching it. And, dude, I have seen you wreck them on that square bill, man. It's, hey, when it, when it, it's one of those things that when it, when it works, nothing else will, and you will absolutely crush them. You've made some fish history right there. Hey, how important to you – are electronics in shallow water angling? They're really not, Pat. Okay, uh, I want to hear it. They, they are. They are in some respects. Okay, because a lot of times when you're fishing shallow water, and I'm gonna say you know less than five foot. Gotcha. A lot of times, a six inch to one foot difference can make a huge difference. You know, if you find a series of stumps that are a foot deeper than all the other stumps, that can be huge. So, yes, I mean, yes and no. Electronics, just for the pure, you know, the sheer depth reading, water temperature. Uh, I tell you what, GPS in those situations is more important to me a lot of times than depth because – what you'll find when you know when you're fishing targets, particularly when you're fishing laydowns, maybe that. I mean, some of the best. I mean, I remember some of the best laydowns that I ever found were those that were totally submerged, and you couldn't see them till you got right up on top of them. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks to GPS, I can mark those on my, you know, on the HDS nine that I've got on the front. I mean, I can. I mean, what up? What this is. K-Pink's handy little tip for the day. Okay, get it. When you find one of those stumps or a big laydown, a log, whatever, that's underwater that you know is going to be holding fish, I will mark both ends of that laydown with a waypoint so that I know how to get lined up on it when I come back to it. You're double marking on the low rants. 
I will mark it on the low end on both. I mean, I'll, I'll get right up on top of it and mark one end of it and then troll up there to where the other end's at and mark that. So I know that I need to throw my bait at this angle to come across that sucker just right to get that fish to bite. And Dude, that, that is a big advantage right there. That's a tip. Mm-hmm. That, that, that is a tip right there. That's a tip. You got it. Hey. If throwing a square bill crankbait involved a one-two punch, what's the second punch? What's number two? I'm going to flip a either a jig or a, you know a beaver style bait like a Zoom Z hog. That's that's going to be my backup. All right, I'm going to throw my crankbait, go all the way around the log. If I don't get him to bite, I'm going to come back and I'm going to flip all the way around it. And just work the heck out of it. But you're spending lots of time in one area. Yeah, well, and I tell you, a lot of times what you'll find is there'll be particular, you know, if you spend enough time doing this, you'll find particular targets, whether it's, you know, some days, some some lakes, whatever, they might be on laydowns, not on stumps. Other days, they're on stumps, not on laydowns, Okay. And those are little things that you kind of, you know, you kind of pick up on those things as the day goes on. All right. And yeah, you're going to spend a lot of time on one stump, one lay down. But if you've got 20 or 30 of them to fish and you catch one fish off of every five, you caught six fish. It's a law of averages thing, man. Persistence persistence got it you got man you got to be persistent when you know in those situations tough fishing you know you're only going to get six or seven bites you know if that during the day you have to be persistent hey kevin share with your fans something that they don't know about you a little known kevin short fact wow little known kevin short fact um, I okay. Here is a little known Kevin Short fact. Nice. I, I graduated from high school a year early. Wow. You're not that I was smarter than anybody else. I thought I was smarter than everybody else, but I actually went to summer school um, in my. I guess that would have been in my sophomore year. And got enough, I got enough extra credits where I actually graduated from high school in my junior year. So there you go. More time to fish. More time to fish. More time to fish. (laughs) Hey, Kevin, man. Yeah, okay. If if everybody wants to find out about you, of course, they could see you on Major League Fishing. Uh, There's the K Pink Facebook page. Uh, That's the best place right there. Just check you out on K Pink, Kevin Short, professional angler on the book face. Yes, on the book face, send me a message. I will write. I will send you a reply back. It may take me a couple of days, but I will get back to you. I he, promise. He's going to send you an autographed old Bagley 09 crankbait. <laughs> no, Pat, I'm not going to do that. Okay, okay, I had to try. I had to try. I Kevin, you won. <laughs> I don't know that I'd send everybody one. No, I probably won't do that. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the Bass Buzz segment of Stray Cast Outdoor Television. It's always a pleasure, man. To, to speak hey, with you, dude. Always great to be here. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate enjoy, it. Enjoy the rest of your of your lasagna and your Razorback okay. drink. See you guys. Be good. Take See care, you. Kevin. Best of luck to you. Hey, Kevin Short, K-Pink professional bass fisherman. Uh, 
that dude, that dude is a champ. That dude, that.